Good morning. Today is November 17th, 2021. It's a Wednesday and I feel odd. Today is the longest excerpt I will have read to you yet on the podcast, so bear with me in advance because I am still improving upon my skills in reading aloud, and this one will be a few pages long. Um, I am excited to read this aloud to you, though, because it is from an anthology that I bought a few weeks ago at Crying Cat called The Opposite of Loneliness, Essays and Stories by Marina Keegan. This anthology was put together by a mentor and professor of Marina Keegan, Unfortunately, Marina Keegan uh, passed away before she could really get going with some of her career. She accomplished quite a bit while she was in college at Yale, and she worked for the Yale Daily News, um, publishing different articles. So she was a journalist, but she also did lots of works of fiction and nonfiction and short stories, and a lot of those are included here in this anthology. I love anthologies, or I have been learning to love anthologies more recently because they're so easy to pick up, um, and they're broken up into such small pieces that they're digestible but still impactful. That's what I really love about this anthology particularly because it has fiction, nonfiction, and her last article for the Yale Daily News called The Opposite of Loneliness from which the book is named after. I like it so much because it's broken up but it still has one concrete narrative voice that runs throughout the entire book. The reason that I picked this short story today is because it reminded me of a very distinct feeling the beginning of winter when everything is still and there's lots of warmth and reflection and also sometimes some kind of bleakness. So I'm trying to combat some of that bleakness that I kind of get into as soon as it starts getting colder as it has begun to get colder these last few days. I'm trying to combat that by some of the nostalgia of um, the stillness and change that comes with the coming of winter. So this piece kind of reminded me of that. And I was I was so sure that this was going to be the next episode on the podcast as soon as I read this. All right, this right, I'm just going to read a small excerpt from the beginning of this. But obviously, if you want to read the rest of it, um, the name of this piece is called Winter Break, and it's by Marina Keegan. And you can find it inside this anthology, The Opposite of Loneliness, Essays and Stories by Marina Keegan. This is Winter Break. I was stoned when I saw the Eskimo figure crunching down the street with a flashlight and a cocker spaniel. The ice trees hung on the road, and my day's synapses made suburbia look like a cave. The figure trudged ahead as I flexed my stiff fingers, watching mutely from my hot box of dry heat and public radio. I had forgotten Michigan's stillness while I was at school, the way houses slept and trucks made patterns in the snow, so I turned off the speakers and let my car slow to a stop. All that moved was the yellow beam of my mother's flashlight flicking up and down as she walked, jerking my dog away from pine cones and driveways and someone else's pee. For a while, she didn't see me. I'm not sure why I waited in my car, but for some reason, I didn't feel like moving. Winters turned our town into a black and white wonderland, and I liked watching my mom pad through its tunneled core. She was overdressed, peering out from an astronautic parka, two scarves, and a pair of thick leather mittens. Yet she managed a kind of mid-road grace, unconcerned that a car could disturb her migration. She did it three times a day. Strapped up my spaniel and circled the block. When my brothers and I had begged for that dog, we'd sworn to switch off in rotating shifts. But by the time it was big, we were busy with homework or friends or that project that we had to start. I rolled down my window and I felt a flood of cold air hit my face. 
My dog let out a small howl, twigs cracked in the woods, and something about the stillness of my state of mind reminded me of the world's remarkable capacity to carry on in every place at once. I thought of my mother circling suburbia while I drank in dim fraternities or video chatted with Sam or slept lazily in my dorm while it snowed out my window. I loved her at that moment in a way that twisted my stomach. Mom! I shouted from the side of my car. The dog barked and she snapped around, frozen like a deer in my car's white light. She stared for a second, struggling to see through the blinding headlights. I saw something then that I haven't seen before, or if I had, I had chosen to ignore. There was a frailty to her posture, a thinness in her cheeks. She looked tired and cold from the instant that she lit up in motion, jogging slightly toward the hum of my car. But I didn't think about it because I was happy and I loved her, and for the most part, I don't like the kind of revelations that I have when I'm high. When I woke up the next morning, my mom was in the basement sorting socks, and I was glad to be home because it was nice to be reminded of the places that our floors creaked. My semester at school had been decent, but I had missed home in a new way that I could only attribute to Sam. We had met that summer while working at the lake, and I had romanticized Michigan so much that it hung on our phone calls. My dad liked to say that we were in the center of the center, but upstate Erie wasn't exactly downtown. In August, Sam and I took the 18-hour train to New York, curling on window seats and sharing an iPod, and after that I craved the camaraderie of cities, energy and art and all-nighters. But this was the time when I found everything romantic. I granted the world a strange kind of generosity. Ideas convinced me and ordinary activities had an almost giddy newness. Part of it was probably the pot. Smoking before anything gave an excuse for a good time. We could go skating or bowling without feeling lame, so we passed bowls in the back of my car and alternated between over-analysis and blank stares. In July, I'd get home late, and my dad would be in the kitchen, drunk and finally eating. My family was just like anyone's, just functional enough to be functional. It wasn't until college that I really realized that everyone's house had its own messed up stories. Kaylee's brother did coke, and Max's dad was secretly gay. We had nothing like that. Perhaps the problem was that we didn't have much at all. My older brothers worked in Chicago, and Kyle was the only kid that was at home. Our parents didn't fight in the conventional way, mostly because they didn't think that it was worth it. For as long as I can remember, my mom woke up at 6 to work out and work on her 10,000 projects. She ate lettuces and soy things, but cooked real food for the rest of us. My dad had a job in car sales and was really skinny, and my brothers and I hardly recognized the muscular man standing next to our mom in their wedding photos. I knew it bothered her. The problem was that he really meant well. That's the thing, he just meant really well. As for me, I didn't know what I wanted. Cigarette holes had started spotting the sides of my skirts, and the semester had granted a profoundness to the world that I could photograph or turn into a bad poem. Everything seemed worthy of retelling, and I'd struggled to stop stories before I started. But my professional ambitions were still switching with the channels of my illegal downloads. Wide-eyed and coiled in bed, Sam and I would be convinced by the dramas of 46 minutes, idealizing the pursuits of doctors, politicians, and astronauts in space. Bored or exhausted with regularity, we'd envy house and law and order, cuddling in our apathy until we were reminded that all we really wanted was to lie in bed. I was in love for the first time, and my mother could tell. There is my middling reading of... Winter Break from The Opposite of Loneliness by Marina Keegan. I really love this story because I think it paints such a wonderful picture of the complications of relationships, like in a family, 
especially coming home after making your own way in the world. It, I think it just illustrates a nice picture. It feels like reading a painting in some way that's like realistic, but nostalgic. Even though I haven't necessarily experienced these things or have these same relationships with family members, there are connections in here that feel nostalgic to me. And especially the descriptions of the snow and the mother walking the dog in the snow and then also tying that to the different realizations that her parents are getting older and that she's not exactly sure what she wants and about being in love. Those are all things that are nostalgic and tied to the stillness of coming home for winter break. And for me, I am very excited about winter break coming up, even though I do hate winter because we're reaching the end of the semester. And um, the nostalgia that comes with winter break and its stillness will definitely grant me more chances to read more works like this. I have several passages underlined in this piece. Um, my favorite is probably, or my two favorites, something about the stillness or my state of mind reminded me of the world's remarkable capacity to carry on in every place at once. And then it compares her being at parties and getting drunk and her mom walking the dog every morning um, and then I liked the line, but this was the time when I found everything romantic and I granted the world a strange kind of generosity. I think that's a great way to sum up, I think, where I'm at in my life anyway, or where a lot of college people are, where you grant the world something, a romantic kind of generosity, and you romanticize. In the book, then she, or in the story, she romanticizes being high and going to the bowling alley, and you do it for you know, making it less lame to enjoy it more, to make everything romantic. Um, and I think in a way she's kind of even romanticizing the reality that she shares of coming home to her family um, and of being in love and just living. I think it's a beautiful picture of that time in life. So that's why I like this piece so much. Well, I hope you liked today's reading. I really enjoyed um, all the essays and stories included by Marina Keegan, and I hope you'll listen to more of her or find more of her work. I have so many exciting episodes coming up. I have a big stack of books to go home and read on my winter break, so I hope you stick around so you can hear about all the words I'll be reading this winter and all the creative directions I'm going and people that are going to get to be on the podcast. But for now, until next Wednesday, I hope you find something wonderful to read.